0: The only way you invent the future is by deciding that you know what the future is that you want to create and you don't give a damn what anybody else thinks because that is the future that you are going to invent. Don't try to be anything other than you and speak to the things that would move you in the world. And once you've got that, you're free. We're no longer in a place where silence is helpful. Disrupt. Have conversations. Welcome to love, love This. this. Welcome, uh, loose, to the podcast
1: for having me very excited to be here virtually in the metaverse
0: I need to um get into the metaverse we can also talk about that a bit later but um can we can we um begin with um the first question that we ask everyone on this podcast um which is uh what is the this that you currently are loving
1: so I was thinking about how to answer this question without making it feel like a plug for one of the many things that I do. But the thing that I am honestly loving is newsletters, like someone in my inbox feeling like they're giving me a hug, wrapping up the world for me or like deep diving something interesting because newsletters are the new newspapers and it does help that I've just started writing like a daily one for shit you should care about. So I have, like big love for anyone that um, writes a daily newsletter because it is it is a grind. But that between that and um, like chocolate during lockdown, we've really we've really gotten into chocolate, which is the most basic recommendation I can give. But those are the two things that are helping me right now.
2: You could yeah. write a a newsletter about chocolate potentially.
1: Well, look, I was going to open this one with uh, my newfound love for chocolate, but I thought, no, there's bigger things happening in the world, Lucy. Chocolate
0: can be later.
2: Is it really <laughs> shit that we should care about? Yes, it is.
1: Yes, it is. It helps with our mentals, doesn't it?
0: Speaking of, um, everyone who jumps on and is listening to this um, will well know that you are the co-founder, co-founders, I'm not really sure the plural of all of that, but um, of shit you should care about. Um, which is an, ex- like, extremely popular, um, probably best to begin with how that began. We, along with everyone else, have read that um, that happened in a lecture theatre at Victoria University in Wellington, Aotearoa, um, where you guys were studying Bachelor of Arts. Can you tell us a little bit about that that time and how you began I sure can.
1: It's honestly, it's really funny that this has become like a story that I tell to people because it's such like a nothing thing. Quite literally, I was sitting in a lecture theatre at Vic Uni, as you so beautifully summed up. And honestly, I just wasn't understanding anything that my lecturer was saying. And I sort of knew that I wasn't stupid, like I'd done the readings, but they were just I feel like there were all these references to world events that I just didn't understand. And then I think I I really quickly was like, why don't I understand this? Oh, it's because the news is boring. Oh, it's because they use jargon I don't understand. Oh, it's also really long and it's all black and white. And so then I just thought, I text my two best mates, Ruby and Liv, who are the co-founders, and said... Should we start something called shit you should care about where we literally talk about anything we can talk about fan culture we can talk about mental health we can break down world issues and I read the texts the other day and they were just straight up like yes we should yes it should be called shit you should care about and yes we should do all of that and we have not strayed and it's like the best thing in the world like I still love this thing and I love that it hasn't changed and it's probably because We don't really get paid by anyone outside of it, so I can still say and do what I want to say and do, which is lovely,
2: but doesn't pay the rent sometimes. There's there's so much that inspires me about that story, and maybe it does other people too, which is why you have to keep telling it.
1: (laughs) I know, but it's so funny. It's like, oh, yeah, I sent a text from a lecture theatre. Like, we were all texting in lecture theatres. Mine just happened to be this weird Instagram page idea.
2: But the thing is that's fascinating to me is that essentially you're creating a business plan through texts. It's so Gen Z. It actually might be the smartest thing to do because you do hear about people who go away and spend two years working on a business plan only to kind of never really get it get it going. Um, yeah. So I think there's like super inspiring that you had an idea and just jumped on it and the simplicity probably of what you wanted to do if you stick to those text messages is yeah is gonna serve you in good stead. <laughs> I mean, and it's funny
1: because I think a, a thing that really helped us was that it never was a business. maybe maybe like six months ago we were really like, okay, this can be our jobs, but we never we just did it because we loved it, and that's the beautiful thing. I still do it because I love it, but now it can be my job. so that's like win-win, win-win.
2: So good. well done.. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Can I ask? Eh, th- I was just before we jumped on this recording here. I was saying to um, Lucy that I like spent a bit of time last night, like roaming around my own um, history in relation to some of the way that your platform um, works, and I wanted to talk to you about it because um, where I got to with it is that I really want to explore a little bit with you, the through line between what the platform is versus why the platform is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been like making a lot of connections in my own head about it since I read your article, it's time to stop shitting on stands or super super fans. (laughs) And in that article, um, you talk a lot about the assemblage of community or super fans around, like, you know, a nucleus. That nucleus could be Harry Styles. For me, that's Jurassic Park. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess what I wanted to talk about is how news and knowledge sharing started a while back happening in quite different ways. And for me in my own life, that was with things like um, uh, Auto Straddle, was a big one, where the writers um, migrated from one platform to uh, another and the which is like if anyone doesn't know, um, Autostraddle. It's like a queer community of sort of queer media superfans, and um, but the content was like wildly varied and totally weird and super contextual in a bizarrely complimentary way. So like even like the ways people would find it. I was just finding this before, which was like things like how to give yourself a lesbian haircut, how to write a dissertation in a week. Living in a socially distant um, democracy. Fuck all of you who hate Aries. And it got oh me thinking, like, it got me thinking, like, what the hell do all of those things have in common? And the answer is, like, everything, because everything has everything to do with everything, and.
1: And nothing has anything to do with anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so I just, I know that you guys in the past have like, you know, people being like, what are you? Are you a news source? Are you a digital publication? Like, please tell us, pick a, pick a lane. And I just, I wanted to talk to you before we get into some of the other questions about your history with some of those topics like fandom, etc., and how that's helped create the success of shit you should care about.
1: Yeah, uh, this is my favorite thing to talk about because I only sort of landed on it like a few months ago about why I and my voice have helped this platform be what it is. Like, there's, there's, I'm sure we're gonna get to this, but there's no face behind shit you should care about. So all you have to to be connected to is the way that I speak, you know and I'm saying I because I run the content and I'm like. The voice and the tone. I'm very tone heavy on Siska and Liv. She's our arts director. She does all the design. She makes it accessible to read. And then Rubes, who's about to come on full time, she's our commercial director. So she deals with all the stuff that I really don't want to, which is like, who do we work with? How do we do it in a way that doesn't like editorially kind of fuck us? And she's amazing. And you know, they fill the gaps, but. I refer to I a lot when I'm talking about the platform, not because I think I'm the only one that matters, but because the content is like mine, which is scary, but um, great. Anyway, I reckon the reason it's worked is because I started as a One Direction, like Stan on Twitter. And I had, like I was 15 straddling like 70,000 followers. And I wasn't like doing anything in particular that was like great i wasn't doing great analysis i wasn't doing great anything i was just sort of posting about everything and like you kind of said everything is everything and and you shouldn't have to pick a lane like people are allowed to be interested in a lot of things um and and so fandom was huge for me because it kind of like it showed that when you all rally together behind a band or a person or maybe an Instagram page, it creates the most beautiful community because they really do care and they sort of stand up for you. I mean, there's definitely toxic sides of like parasocial relationships, but in terms of Sisker and what we have found, it's been very, very positive And, and the fandom element has been well received. I also just think like humans are so Like, we're all so fucking different that I hate when people be like, oh, you posting about Harry Styles makes you lose all credibility about every single other thing you've posted because it's like, it's not a mutually exclusive thing that I can post about, you know, the fucked up abortion laws in Texas and like Harry Styles at the same time. And oh my God, I like chocolate as well. Like, you know, like we are all humans and we're so different. I think people can feel that and some people love it and some people really hate it
0: i also i also loved in that article how you like there is a uh, there is a definite like misogynistic lens to 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 fandom you know i'm i'm in my late 30s and even just in terms of like queer fandom um i see a lot of shit in my 20s you know people saying like man all you care about is is really is every movie you watch a queer movie like why you know, and I'm like, why yeah. is it that when it comes to, as you said in your article, things like sport or so forth, male orientated fandom things, that it can like almost be academic? It can it, it can it can feel like it carries the weight of academia and analysis, um, but when it's it's something that anyone outside of um, I don't know homogenous male gender. Mm. Um, it's seen as like dismissive, and I guess that's just another systemic way to like keep what you're about is not not valuable.
1: Yeah, I, I read a um, I think it was a tweet the other day that just said like name one thing that a teenage girl can be interested in that other people aren't going to shit on. Like honestly, there's something about really discrediting, especially things that young women are interested in. That just Pushes me so far the wrong way that I feel like I'm. I mean, I want to be loud about a lot of things, but that is one of the things that I want to be really loud about. It's like you're allowed to like whatever you like, and you know, young women are gonna get shit on for pretty much anything. So as much as it sucks, it's like you just gotta do it anyway and sort of own it,
0: own your cringe. Yeah, and then uh, and then the last question I asked on that topic in relation to that same article is around the the skill set that you developed
1: mm. that's like a big thing is that woman i mean there is a gap between how women present themselves in interviews and on their cvs like we're often and i'm massively generalizing here and i hate doing this but i just am um like you know dudes will walk in and they'll have that they've learned through maybe being a fan of sports, like commentating or editing together videos, and they feel comfortable and like they're not going to get shed on for adding that to their resume and saying, I can video edit and I can do this. Whereas a woman often, say they've written fan fiction and got them really good at editing or writing, they're not going to feel confident to go into an interview and say, I wrote a Harry Styles fan fiction and like, now I'm a good editor and you should read it. So I feel like recognising the skills that you learn, which is often like coding and it's often tech skills, which also we don't see enough women in STEM because, I don't know, maybe we've been shat on for the way we learn all these skills. I just, it all does come back to being able to trust the shit that you like and you do without anyone telling you to do and using that to sort of further your career like I sound this like I sound like I know really what I'm talking about and now I'm fully being a hypocrite but this is just what I found and retrospectively can see why you should care about works is because I've recognized those skills and I'm not scared to use them but yeah there's a lot that article honestly heat of the moment one day and i love that you read it and bringing it up because i love talking about it
0: oh i loved it i i really thought there's so much in there to um there's so much in there to explore and it like like i said it pinged so many things for for me even in terms of um what community can do in terms of say fan fiction right like um yeah. uh one of my uh Exes was a massive fan fiction writer and watching the community and the feedback around skins, fan fiction. Yeah. Um, from all over the world. And then uh, on top of that, I think she, one time she even got a, um, a message from a, like a music journalist at the BBC. Cause this is, I mean, I'm old, mm. this is way back, but uh, a <laughs> music journalist at the, at the BBC who had found out about Naked and Famous because of her skin's fan fiction, because she'd referenced oh it, and then they played it on the BBC. Yes. So it's like the um, the, power the power of, community. of the community is, yeah. is, is massive, and I can totally see how you having that history and what it means to build a community um, is something that like in our industry, which is full of um, brands who are trying to find ways to create that um, community, uh, yeah. shows you that you You really have to be part of a community, having writers from that community communicating to that community, or or you're just not going to be successful.
1: Exactly. I always say people ask who our target audience is, and I'm constantly like, I know this isn't going to help you with whatever you're trying to learn from me, but we don't have one because I feel I am and I'm part of whatever the target audience is, and because I'm writing about and reading and posting about and podcasting about things that like I'm interested in and things that our audience have fed to me that they are interested in. So it's it's a real transactional, like I'm the audience, they're also me and we don't target for the sake of sort of targeting, which I know gives a lot of people the shits, but it's like the new way, right, of doing things
0: yes and if you're wondering why you haven't heard from maria it's because we're in lockdown and um she's falling uh she's falling in and out of um of internet so it's perhaps going to be more questions from me we'll see how we go
1: so funny i have been wondering like is is maria on mute is she trying to talk to me and i'm just not responding
0: (laughs) no she's uh she's she's dropping in and out are you back maria
1: no, she's gone. She's authentically living lockdown. So at least this is a very authentic podcast.
0: So next next question. Um we'll move on from uh, we'll move on from your from your um from your article. But just know that I loved it.
2: Oh, okay. um,
0: <laughs> but but going back to Vic uni days, between the three of you, you studied international relations, media studies and psychology. Um so lots of crossover there and a lot of um Global thinking. Um, how do you think your mix of interests have kind of strengthened the platform? It sort of sounds like, for example, um the the three of you, you're already saying you can begin to see how there's a success and that you've each you each responsible for different lanes.
1: Mm, yeah, so I think I mean, we have been best friends since we were like fifteen. We all grew up together in Blenheim. And so, we have always had these really, like, sort of existential conversations just because of who we are as people. And, you know, when you're from a small town and there's not a lot to do, all you can do is think. And so me, Ruby, and Liv especially would just talk and think and talk and think. And and I think through our friendship and the way we've always been, never been experts in anything, but always been very interested in everything, really helped like make us feel like it was okay to have a lot of interest in a lot of different things but not be an expert in any of them and and I really hope that shows through with shit you should care about is like we will give you a starting point to so many different things because you you're allowed to pick and choose what you care about or you can just have a really broad knowledge of a, of a lot of you know little things and and that's fine too you don't have to have this one niche that defines you and and Liv um she studied psychology and she's always been very interested in mental health and then she went on to do design as well so now the way that she designs for our platform is like heavily informed um by making sure it's like comfortable to read and it's not going to scare you or panic you and and she thinks a lot about the design even though it's it needs to be very quick and snappy for me to take some templates and curate it. She, the thinking's all been there. So I think, yeah, whether that answers your question or not, we just have been such good friends that have always been thinking about too many things at once that the platform is now like 3 million friends thinking about too many things at once.
2: Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that 3.3 million followers is massive. Um, And so, obviously, the shit that you care about is also the shit other people care about. Have you found that there's uh, some things that, you know, get more kind of traction than others? Is it kind of giving you a sense of almost giving you a pulse of the nation in terms of what's resonating with people, what they're interested in, what they're not interested in, what they're angry about, what they're not angry about? I, I mean,
1: I have been doing this every day for three years. So if I didn't have a good grip on what people were into i don't think um i'd be able to still do the job so i and this is another annoying thing that i have to tell people is like my gut feeling is now very in tuned my intuition is so so it's like a muscle right it's very strong so when i get up in the morning and read like 40 news sources or whatever i do and read all our dms of what's happening on the ground in places i i can just tell and i can feel what people need to hear about, and and then there's a little bit of me knowing some things that maybe they wouldn't usually hear about that they probably should. But I think and and it's funny because you said the nation, but the the nation, the nation is four percent of our audience, so it is very New Zealand based and New Zealand like vibes, definitely New Zealand humor, and like world facing which it will always be because, for example, in our newsletter today, um, I said, thank you for all the Aroha that I was being sent in response to the previous newsletter. And I put an explanation of what Aroha meant and a little bit about obviously our indigenous culture. And I got a reply that said, I live in the UK and there's been a restaurant down my street called Aroha and I've never known what it meant. So this little explanation about you know, Te Ao Māori in New Zealand has just given me context to like this thing that was just always there. And I think that's something New Zealand based and world facing is something that's so fucking important to shit you should care about. Also because people see New Zealand as, as Narnia, whereas it's actually not, we have our own shit going on that the rest of the world has going on. It's just that sometimes people choose not to see it or talk about it, but um, yeah, I, I, to answer your question, which again I've probably just talked around, gut feeling and and that transactional like to and fro with the audience really helps to select. I mean, I'm one person, so I can't talk about everything as well. So it's like I really
2: have to pick,
1: pick and choose what I can handle and what I think all the
2: followers can handle on one given day. Yeah, I think you're in an in an incredible position because I feel like you you would have almost a better sense of what's going on for you know uh, a huge percentage of people really you'd have a better sense of what matters to those people than mm. than uh some of the other people that should know what's going on <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: and it's like it's a responsibility that i take so seriously as well i can't speak for, you know, other Instagram accounts and and we're not Instagram activists either. We have access to a lot of activists, but that's, people like to sort of refer to us as that, but we're not. We're just giving you a starting point and I take it very seriously that social media cannot be the start and finish of your education on a subject. Like me giving you, you know, a maximum of 10 slides about a world conflict is not the start and finish. It's not even beginning to give context. So I'm very, it's interesting. I'm very cynical about social media and I don't have my own social media, but I exist so heavily on social media because I want to make there be at least one good place there. Like you can't really, I almost feel like you have to be inside it to change it. In this case, like I can't, you can't really just boycott it and then expect the kids to be okay. So
2: that's, I, oh, I can sorry, honestly I was gonna say I can honestly say that for me you guys have done that. So like I'll be oh. scrolling through and um and so much of what I see is meaningless. Mm. And I don't have a lot of time like most of us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but I'm still there and I'm scrolling through meaningless and then yeah, I see one of your posts and it grounds me. Do you know what yeah, I mean? That's like it's so
1: so nice to hear. Because... Very powerful, I think. Do you guys reckon there's, and this is something I think about all the time, there's this really gross and scary flattening and decontextualizing that happens on social media in terms of, like you just said, the fact that you said that shit you should care about grounds you is the best thing you could probably say to me because you'll be scrolling and there'll be like an influencer trying to sell you skinny tea. There'll be your best friend that's just got married. There'll be children starving in Yemen. And then there'll be a meme. And you give all of them the same time and the same amount of attention when they are not the same thing. And and, and one of those things is, is definitely much more worthy of, of your heart and your soul and your brain. And so like, if grounding for you means that you stop in your place and you sort of read and you think, that means like, the world to me
2: so thank you That you're welcome that is 100% what it does so I mean I think um you've got a powerful role to play please keep doing it I know I take it so
1: seriously I just hope one day it, it doesn't like beat me down and I can stay loving it I just want to stay loving it and at the moment I really do and I think I will forever but we always think we will forever
0: <laughs> I've been um, well, you guys were discussing I've of- just been turning over in my head the um what you were saying there about like um what it means to give a shit and cuz I am fascinated about the relationship between how you deliver and present a doorway into topics and how say traditional news does that and I can't help but put it through this also this filter of um like traditional news let's say the relationship between pessimism and optimism, you know, the world mm. is burning, there's something you can do. The relationship, as Maria sort of states, the relationship between um, optimism and action, because mm. presenting you t- presenting a way to reach, uh, presenting a tone that lets you move towards something that could be utopic as opposed to retreating into something that could be dystopic is like, the goal. And there's like a real privilege to, to the world's news media, both in like class and race and social standing, that I guess they can get on the news with all this money behind them and just be like, boom, the world is burning. Like total, total pessimism, um, whilst not having to necessarily um, provide any sort of relationship to the action that might mm. change that. And I love that you're sort of on this threshold actually. Of trying to do a bit a bit more of that
1: yeah there's definitely I mean we try to where we can like give actionable things that we can do sometimes there's literally like nothing it feels like there's nothing that you can do via Instagram except for learn about it and at least like think about it in the right way I always feel like it's a bit of an ecosystem like with us and the traditional news media because we never want to break the news and we're not interested in spending our time sort of finding the story and like laying out all the facts. Um, we like to break it down and we couldn't do that without like the fucking incredible work of the feet on the ground of the big, you know, legacy news companies. We, we're we like the younger cousin that sort of explains it at the dinner table, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but there is something to say in... when you try like a big music organization to be objective some things a lot of things you you actually can't be objective because you i mean because of who you are as a person for one and your personal history and biases and because the way that young people engage with things or and not even young people the way that the people want to like learn about things is by making it feel like you're not being spoken to by a brand you're being spoken to by a person with feelings that is gonna not try and flex their knowledge on you they're just gonna you know give you what's happening and maybe a little bit of how they feel about it or like with Siska, by nature of what I'm choosing to post you know what I care about I don't have to outwardly say stripping people of their right to an abortion is bad you know that's how we feel and and so i think there's a really interesting conversation about like the future of news and people striving for objectivity which you obviously in a lot of cases you should but whether that's actually possible and what's going to actually help make change happen
2: don't know okay i don't have the answer none of us have the answers that's what makes it all so interesting <laughs> we can yeah. just discuss what the answers might be <laughs> Um, yeah (laughs) so now um shit you could should care about has um obviously a number of podcasts you guys have got the shit show culture vulture and extremely online and a book club um so can you talk a little bit about about those things i guess one might be more uh closer to your heart than another but are you you sort of uh, um starting to build out the platform obviously through different channels
1: yeah also just Not as Harry Styles, the weird pose. In case you were just seeing this weird, like, person on the back of my bedroom. It's Harry Styles. Um, Amazing. Of course. course. Um, So, we have a lot of different things going on at the moment. The book club, unfortunately, even though I'm reading more than I've ever read in my entire life, is um, halted. We still have, like, we have a Discord server, which has like a little book club channel where people put what they're reading in there but we're not uh, we were working with penguin books but there was just other things we had to sort of prioritize so still want to do it because i love the name "shit you should read about and i love reading so it will come back but for now uh the book club is just read whatever you want whatever's going to make you feel good during lockdown i guess Amazing. my my favorite thing at the moment is the newsletter Um, But we also, as you said, have podcasts. We've just started Culture Vulture. Well, I say started. We've done eight weeks of Culture Vulture, which was focused on Love Island, which is like our favorite escape. We've loved Love Island since uni when we were trying to avoid doing assignments, I guess. But now it's turned into just like a weekly wrap-up of culture, which I love because there's nothing more fun to talk about than culture, whether it's like celebrities or whether it's, I don't know, last week we went into the difference between sampling and interpolation on, like, records. Like, you know, it's a real mixed bag, but so shit you should care about. And then the shit show I really love because it's a wrap-up of world events, which um, is what I do for a job. I mean, all of this is what I do for a job, but the shit shows, I do it with my older brother, which just gives me a lot of joy because we're very different. He's quite serious and very smart, and I'm very, like... No, let me just run my mouth on this and let's talk about this <laughs> as all the listeners are hearing now. Um, And Extremely Online, it's a podcast and it's a web series. The web series is so fucking cool and exciting because we've never made video content. But like every Friday on Instagram, we release a little snippet, a little explainer about some weird corner of the internet just so that we don't all get behind you know we don't want everyone all the rich white dudes profiting off of cryptocurrency just because they've made it mystifying like they don't want us to understand so we sort of like last week's was about the metaverse which mark zuckerberg is obsessed with and we were like oh if mark zuckerberg has his hands on this we should probably explain it to all the people watching this on instagram a platform he owns like it's all very meta but extremely online um we've never made video stuff and it's real fun and it's just i'm just learning 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 so much all the time
0: can i ask since we are an advertising industry podcast can i ask a little bit about what your relationship is to brands you know like as in what makes you um love a brand i don't know if you're still 23 it's not great to um call out ages etc blah, blah, but i've been following a lot around um uh, especially alt- the entrepreneurial aspects of um, of youth mm-hmm. and and Gen Z, and it's super exciting. And I, I guess now that we have you like face to face, I'm interested to know like what you think about when you're interacting with a brand. Are you looking for brands that? Um, are you looking for brands that you know culturally align with you? That obviously, that's a lot of conversation about that. And um, the advertising industry, or are you looking for founders who are um, like going, screw the system? I'm about this entrepreneurial thing, and you're trying to support that. Like, um, how do you think about brands? Like, even, even do you just go, oh, fuck brands? I don't know. Like, what, what, what's your, what's your, what's your, what's your feel on things? I
1: do, and this is why it's great to have Ruby because I do go, fuck brands. Like, I am just not really interested unless this is actually how i think about it we are so happy and i'm so happy to be like a publicist like if you've got something great going on um or you are putting on a tv series based on a book that i really love or you know you've got a, a there's a new artist that we're obsessed with or whatever we're happy to Work with brands in terms of publicizing this great work, this great thing, this great artist. Where I draw well, the line is I don't like selling people shit. I don't like manipulating people into doing anything they don't want to do um, because I don't like when it's done to me. And if I am the audience and everything I say to be true, I really stick by that. So, like, for example, we've just worked with Neon who sponsored our Culture Vulture podcast, which was based on Love Island. And that was the dream collaboration because we've loved Love Island for so long. We weren't forcing people to do anything. We were saying, if you're interested in what we're talking about, you can watch it and you can watch it here if you want. Um, so I think the being a publicist versus being an, an advertiser is is a big sort of conclusion I came to a few few months ago. I'm just constantly thinking about what are we um but what makes a brand like there's definitely we haven't ruled out working with brands of course not what makes a brand someone that we want to be aligned with us is first of all like they have to want to work with us they can't have been like oh and there's this new up and coming instagram account called shit you should care about that would like work great with you guys they can't have us pitch to them and like they don't actually care or know what we do and it's pretty clear from the initial like cold call that we get a lot of the time whether they actually know what we do and how we speak and who we are or whether someone's just said this is a this is where the eyeballs are i hate that i know everyone's fighting for eyeballs and i just don't want to give them that if they're not genuine um also like authenticity like you said before like if you can tell that they have someone from the community that they're trying to talk to spearheading the campaign or spearheading the product or spearheading whatever it is they're trying to advertise and we can sense that and we know that and it feels like the this person is talking to us that's actually from the community or you know at least understands a lot about it then that feels good to us but if it's just a random big I don't know if Adidas were to send some random person to us and be like oh we've got this much budget to do this it would it just feels yuck just like talk to us like people people to people um but I have a lot of thoughts about brands and and that will all change when we realize that the world still functions on money which sucks but it is how it works so maybe we can talk
2: about this in six months when I've figured more out
1: What's your take on brand?
2: Yeah, well, we do sit in the middle, don't we, a little bit. And, um, you know, at nighttime, I'm sitting watching Netflix, watching Bo Burnham's Inside, and he does, I don't know if you've seen that, but he does a segment within that where he he talks about a brand that suddenly cares about a global issue that's never cared about the global issue before, right? Right. And, I love
1: that you just uh, brought you know up that, Bo Burnham inside because that is <laughs> my obsession. That is my love. This Bo Burnham inside. That's my love. This. Anyway,
2: carry on. Amazing. Because it's so right. good, isn't it? Yes. But so so that's so that those conversations are happening. You know what I mean? And they're valid. And then on the other side, you know, a lot of brands actually do want to make a difference. Mm. They have great intentions. So it's. It, I think. um it's very difficult to kind of find that middle ground uh where a brand can genuinely um makes have a good positive impact on the world you know in a in a genuine way as opposed to looking looking like they're bandwagoning or mm. profiting from uh something they shouldn't be profiting from or connected to something they shouldn't be connected to i think it's a it's the world has changed our world has changed mm. um from an advertising point of view so it's been really interesting watching that push and pull happen
1: yeah and and I'm like of the firm belief that you have to let people grow like and and this all comes down to obviously cancel culture and I really hate cancel culture but I think like when you're talking about brands and it's like would we rather just stop supporting them and never work with them and never let them do better or would we rather watch them do better in real time and then we all learn from it and I'm big on like if you're doing better in real time, because – and I think it's because I constantly get things wrong and people in my, you know, big community let me do better in real time and, like, make up for something I've said wrong or I didn't quite understand something. So I'm very much, like, I love that about the world we're moving into, even if not everyone is of the same belief that we should let people grow and watch it and learn from it. Um, I think we should. And
0: Yeah, yeah but it's, it's a really – that, that's a really interesting point, I reckon, because um, I think a lot of brands, for as much as they talk about as being willing to fail, are obviously ter- are obviously terrified, which makes total sense, because, yeah. you know, brands are people, and people are culture, and livelihoods, and family, and so, of course. Um, but it's interesting to hear you say that, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that you would rather a brand try and try responsibly and try within co-creation and try in the ways that you should try mm. um, to really have a point of view mm. um, and if they make it 95% instead of 100 there's space for you to allow them to grow into that rather than to cancel it you would you would you prefer they do that as opposed to safe well
1: yeah I think like if you believe that the world should evolve in a good way then you probably should allow the world to evolve in a good way and it's really hard because it's like a lot of these big brands are going to keep making money regardless on whether they try to do better or not because you know maybe they're the cheapest price but maybe like they're the only thing that a lot of people can afford so of course they're going to keep making money so I would rather people try At least they're a terrible, terrible brand that's done terrible, terrible things and then, like, maybe we'd boycott them. But I just don't know. I think we'd rather people try. I'm also not a brand expert and I've never worked in this world before. So (laughs) take
2: all of this with a tablespoon of salt.
0: I think if you fall into the quote-unquote youth category, you are a brand expert. (laughs)
2: 100% agree. Consider yourself an expert, I reckon. Okay, I'll take it. Um, So, I mean, a lot of listeners, you know, uh, to our podcast are kind of tasked with um, making content every day um, and kind of connecting with youth. Uh, Obviously, you have a great uh, intuition in terms of understanding what people want to hear and what people need to hear. Are there other ways in which um, we can connect, easily connect? Are there things that you lean on or is it all down to that intuition?
1: um my big thing is that i write how i speak so i think if you're trying to connect with someone first thing is get that someone you're trying to connect with second thing is get them to write exactly how they speak and and i don't know if this works for everyone but it just works for me and she should care about and it helps with that whole making a brand feel like a person rather than like some suits
0: um I have a bit of a question, and I think this is like a good question for all growing um, brands, uh, startups to hear, etc. Can you like remember, like uh, in your in your journey with the success of this, like your biggest high point and your biggest low point?
1: I can remember the biggest low point because it was during the height of. The Black Lives Matter movement, the US election, the New Zealand election and COVID-19 and we'd just hit a million followers and my like mental health and anxiety was just like rock bottom. Like, because when you, when you, we got 800,000 followers in one month and I was still learning how to communicate properly, especially with Black Lives Matter. It was a big learning curve for shit you should care about in terms of it's not about what three pakeha kiwi have to say like this is we have this beautiful access to feet on the ground let's use it um and again our audience lets us learn in real time and they help us learn so that was great but it was that was when the responsibility of the world quite literally felt like it was on my shoulders and and it was really hard because like quote unquote like celebrities started sharing our shit which just gives you this platform that a real privilege to have but it's it's really terrifying so I think for what a lot of people would think is the high point was like the low point for me and Ruby was working on it with me at the time as well and we were just like how the fuck have we gone from being able to visualize 200,000 people to having like a million here that and growing and having constant like constant trolling you know like it's just it was hard but then um I don't know why that doesn't really get to me anymore. I think because like in real life, I'm surrounded by such beautiful people and I could never, I could never picture someone sitting behind a keyboard commenting trolley stuff. So they don't have a face to me. And then also like, uh, you know, removing ourselves from the platform has, was the best decision ever. Cause we're not influencers. Don't want to be, you don't want to see my face, like selling you fucking waste trainers or whatever it is. So There's a lot that we've done to safeguard um, the low points. The high point. The high point is coming on Monday when Ruby, our third co-founder, is coming on full-time, and I can't believe this is our job with our best friends, and that's a high point, a soon-to-be high point.
2: So amazing. Yeah, I'm very excited.
0: Well, guys we've 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 just hit the 50 minute mark and i feel like that's probably a good a good place to wrap it up but um oh man lucy it's been really inspiring talking to you i would love and maria would too to have you back on the show Absolutely. another oh, another, yeah. another time it's been awesome in real
2: life we can do it in real life in
0: totally real life. yeah um final question uh, that we also sort of ask everyone which is but i might do it a bit differently um, With you, which is what, um, what do you, what would, if anyone is listening who's on your um, platform, who's part of your community, uh, what message do you think you'd leave them with?
1: Oh, there's so many. Don't let people shit on you for being interested in literally anything because you're allowed. um, Two, if you wanna start something, my big thing is just like start and just fail real fast like i always think i read this somewhere i read this in a book about pixar and it was like if you need to get somewhere say it's a cafe and there's two hills and the cafe is behind one of them the quickest way to get to the cafe is to go up one of the hills because if it's wrong you'll see over and then you can turn around and go up the correct one or if it's right then you're halfway there And then third one, like, so hypocritical, but social media is not the be-all and end-all of education. But Shit You Should Care About is a great place to come if you want a little bit of grounding. And I hope after listening to this you think you can trust me because you can. (laughs) Trust.
0: Beautiful, beautiful way to sum it up. Thank you. Trust.
1: Oh, and thank you guys for having me. It's been a bloody blast.